All right, here we go with a live Week 10 edition of the Coach McVay Show with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. So great to have Sean McVay with us. And you've gone through uh, some meetings with your coaches and your players today following your first loss of 2018. Did you see the response and their demeanor and their eyes and their language that led you to believe that they're going to bounce back right away? Yeah, we did. And, you know, I think we demonstrated that yesterday immediately right after the game. You know, we got the right guys in that locker room without a doubt. We got the right coaches. Uh, and, you know, we look at it as a, as a loss, as a learning opportunity for us to stay strong and, and move forward in the right manner and um you know it, it was a tough game yesterday we didn't make enough plays you know to be able to get it done and they did credit to the saints but uh we'll use this as a, a positive motivating factor to move forward with some urgency this week what do they say uh winning's a good deodorant and and losing is sunshine right you can't hide from it yeah all you no, can do is get better yeah that's exactly right and you know every whether you win or whether you lose demarco you know we try to learn from it uh come in on mondays look at the film critically uh, make you know make corrections uh, emphasize the things that we did well and make sure we don't forget about that as we move forward and then uh, put the game away and then we'll come in you know our players will come back on Wednesday and be ready to go and get ready for a tough Seattle team at home was is that devoid of emotion when you do that when you look at yourself critically is it hard to take the emotion out yeah oh yeah of course because it's so important and you know, I you know I told our players today. You know, it's it's something that you know you're, there's a natural urgency that's created if you can use this for the right motivating factor to move forward. It's been a long time since I've woken up with that sick pit in your stomach uh, as a result of not getting the win. You know, and uh, our players did an excellent job being able to get those outcomes. But there is a level of urgency that's created that you know I, I you'd like to think that you're consistent with it, but there's something just about not getting the result that we want that makes you want to work that much harder for our players, for our coaching staff uh, to do a great job so that we can put ourselves in a position to hopefully get the outcome that we want this week against a tough opponent. Uh, we continue with the Coach McVay Show, Week 10 edition from Cal Lutheran and Thousand Oaks. You talk about that losing pit for the first time in your stomach uh, this season. Since you've been here, every meaningful loss has been followed by not just an impressive win, but a winning streak. Is that a hallmark that you would like to have of your organization? Well, I think that's a credit to our players and to our coaches and their ability to respond from small forms of adversity. And uh, we talk about not flinching, not blinking, uh, not allowing a team to beat us twice. You know, it was a tough loss. Nobody's going to uh, – there's no easy way around it. You know, it was a humbling game, uh, but it's something that we can't afford to to let linger at all. And we've got to be consistent with our approach. And, uh, you know, this week will be no different. But but I think there is an added level of, of hunger and urgency that's that's created as a result of, of you know, losing a game. Yeah. I- I thought Johnny Hecker got it on the fake field goal. I don't want to jump too far ahead, yeah. but I couldn't tell off the video. And I wonder if they had the same look that we had. You know, I, to my understanding, DeMarco, they didn't have the look that, that uh, you know, really gave them the, the confident angle to be able to overturn what the original decision was. And I think that's a large result of, you know, that's probably not where they were thinking that the play would be based on it being a fake field goal. You know, some of the cameras and different things. So... Um, you know, we got to live with the outcome of, of it didn't work out, but that's something that, you know, a lot of confidence in Johnny Hecker, a lot of confidence in our special teams. And if we feel like the look presents itself to be able to make decisions like that, that's not something that's going to affect our, uh, you know, ability to be aggressive in those spots moving forward, you know, as a result of that not working out for us. Was that a design run or was there a passing option yeah, there was that was a pass. taken away? Yeah, yeah. no, they, they did a good job, you know, uh, they ended up peeling on, on, you know, we ended up releasing Higby and, you know, he kind of peeled off as, as Johnny went to run and he, had, he the guy in coverage actually fell, but. Um, you know, Johnny made the decision to, to try to run, reach the ball out, and felt like he made a great individual effort. But uh, you know, it didn't work out for us. The perception looking in is that you've been hands off with respect to the defense, right? Empowering your defensive coaches like you do with every member of your staff. Yep. Clearly, there are things that need fixing on defense, just like in all three phases of your franchise right now. But how active a role 
will you play on the defensive side, if at all, this week specifically? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not going to be any different than what I've always done. And, and really, I think, you know, one of the things that we've got here, JB, is we've got great coaches in all three phases where you can allow them to coach. But there is a level of responsibility you have as a head coach to, to have an understanding of what goes on. And you have full confidence in our and, you know, in Shane and Aaron to be leaders for our offense and bones for our special teams and, and really for, for Wade for our defense and, and Joe Barry as the assistant head coach. But uh, there's a level of responsibility that I think you know naturally the position you have elicits and uh, to make sure that you have an owner ownership and an understanding but to say that as a result of yesterday's game I'm going to be any more involved than I would uh, in any other week is you know that that would be uh, pressing the you know doing something uh, that is not necessary you know there's still a whole lot of confidence in our defensive coaches and our defensive players um, you know one game certainly doesn't define us but I think there's also a level of respect and, and appreciation for that's a really good offense that we went against with some really special players talking about a guy that was hitting spots at quarterback yesterday with great command and there's a reason why he's thrown for more yards than anyone else in the history of this league so um you know tough challenge but I, but i trust that our coaches and players will respond the right way and and you know i expect the same for myself kamara on astroturf right or mike tyson on cement pick your poison <laughs> both deadly there you uh, go. but i mean there is a part of you that says whatever the problems are offense special teams defense we are going to get this fixed. Yeah, oh yeah. We've got the guys to be able to get it fixed. And, and uh, you know, each play presents a different, you know, way of, of solving the issues, whether that's offense, defense, or special teams. And, you know, the one thing that we consistently talk about as coaches is our job is, is to provide clarity for our players so that they can go play without any gray and confidence and then also continue to do things that are conducive for uh, putting them in the best positions to have success. That's understanding first and foremost before we do anything else from a game plan standpoint what do our guys do best and how can we try to recreate those scenarios and situations as much as possible uh and 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 that's something that we always look at week in and week out and that's something that we'll continue to strive to do uh for these last seven games that we know we'll have there was a little bit of a sentiment coming out of your post-game locker room that maybe being undefeated had become slightly cumbersome not like a weight on your shoulders but that maybe losing could lighten the load, could take some of the target off your team's back. Are you a believer in that at all? No, I'm not. You know, I I don't think so. You know, I can't speak for our players, and and certainly, you know, that's only for them to be able to answer to. But I don't think we felt it as a as a coaching staff, and really, you know, as a team, I didn't get that sense because you know we try to keep the consistent approach one week at a time, and it wasn't about trying to get the nine and zero. It was about trying to go one and zero that week, and and uh, you know we didn't get it done yesterday. Everybody had a had a part in that, and. Uh, that's the beauty of this game. You don't have too long whether you win or lose to to sulk about it or to to celebrate it. Uh, you got to move on, and, and that's the beauty of the NFL. That's what you love so much about this game. You can't wait to compete again. All right, that's segment number one of the Coach McVay Show, Week 10 edition. We'll get into some of the individual efforts from the week that was in New Orleans. The Rams still lead the NFC in wins, and now they turn their attention to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, coming home again at the Coliseum, and we will continue with this edition of the Coach McVay Show coming up next on ESPN LA 710. All right, welcome back to Cal Lutheran with the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long and DeMarco Farr with me as well. Very careful in that first segment not to point any individual fingers, certainly following the first loss of the year, but we do want to get into what's going on with Marcus Peters now because I know it's important to our audience. And for us, it's tough to explain, kind of knowing what his track record is, why it hasn't necessarily 
translated here in Los Angeles yet. Can you enlighten us? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing, too, is is when you're looking at, you know, some of the game plans or some of the different things that we ask, you know, you put elite players like him against the other elite players uh, and some of the matchups that, you know, you know, some of the situations dictate. And there's an element where if you watch him just snap in and snap out, he had a lot of individual plays or a lot of individual coverage responsibilities where he is one-on-one against an elite player and a Mike Thomas that he did a very good job. And then Mike made his plays too and you know everyone wants to point to the to the big play at the end and that was a situation where drew makes a great throw michael does a great job on his release and ends up winning but uh, our confidence in marcus as a player doesn't waver uh, we continue to look at ourselves as coaches and make sure that are we doing things that have enabled marcus to be a great player in this league for so long and a couple games don't change the confidence that we do have in marcus the confidence he has in himself and the comment the confidence his teammates have in him and like anything else man we, we love him we'll, we'll put our arm around him. we continue to move forward with a positive mindset and mentality uh, that's geared towards improvement and not allowing the previous circumstances to affect our ability to move forward and everybody has a responsibility not just Marcus you know that's that's our entire team that's coaches and players alike and um, you know and that's what we're going to do but it's but it's uh, you know what I think it says a lot about Marcus is when you listen to his post-game comments a lot of people run away uh, from some different things as opposed to having that ownership and, and being able to take the accountability and I think that's a that that takes a secure person who's also confident in his abilities uh, to move forward and, and we feel like that's going to happen I can't wait to see how he plays next week yeah. I, I know he's the first guy that can't wait for next Sunday to get here absolutely and I think that's our entire team and um, you know it isn't just Marcus you know everybody you know wants to have an isolation on on a couple different plays here and there but uh, there's plays on offense there's plays on defense there's plays on special teams there's so many different plays that lead to the outcome that that we had yesterday and um, you know, nobody has more responsibility than that in terms of doing a better job than, than I do. And I got to do a better job for, for our football team. And, and that's why I'd like Marcus, you know, I know both of us can't wait to get back to work and, and, uh, and our team feels that way as well. And not just the receiver he's going against, but the quarterback as well. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that 72 yard touchdown. I mean, Breeze almost won that at the snap because he caught Marcus in a situation where he was trying to orchestrate seemingly something behind him. Yeah, you could see they do an excellent job. You know, they're changing personnel groupings up. Uh, they're getting different matchups. Um, they're, they're creating different formation concepts based on, you know, the circumstances and the situation. And then, you know, Drew's ability to be able to read and recognize coverage contours is one of the things and traits that makes him elite. And his accuracy, his anticipation, I thought he hit spots all day. And Coach Payton mixes it up extremely well, uses his personnel to their advantage. And, uh, you know, they made a great play in a crunch time situation there. Sam Shields, uh, feeling ill, wasn't able to travel with you on Friday afternoon, arrived separately on Saturday. You were able to have him active, but he did not play. Just how did that kind of transpire over the course of the week, and how did it affect what you were able to do personnel-wise yeah, on defense? Yeah, really, you know, uh, you know, just because he didn't get that work because he missed a couple days, you know, that led to Troy taking on a, a bigger role from a corner standpoint. And otherwise, you know, like you've seen a, a good balance of both those guys playing, you know, you could have expected him to see, see him play a little bit more. And then as a result of only being three punts in the entire game, uh, some of the work that he's getting, you know, with our with our punt return, you know, he, he got on there for for two snaps and. Um, you know, sometimes he's been a he's been a gunner for us at, with our punt team. We only punted that one time, and and we had Hatfield and Josh Reynolds out for that snap. So a lot of it was a result of you know just the limited amount of snaps we had specific to the role that he plays for special teams as well. All that perimeter stuff they were running with Kamara was that? Do you think that's specific just to you, or was that 
their game plan, yeah, how yeah. they want to use him. I think it's a combination of both. You know, he's an all-purpose runner. They do a great job utilizing some perimeter-type plays to be able to maximize his skill set. But then, uh, you know, like anything else, when you're running the football, you're attacking specific fronts and, and contours that defenses present. And in a lot of instances, you know, what you see is is, is repeated-type concepts that uh, are specific to our base defensive structures or some of the ones when we're in our sub-personnel groupings. But, um, you know, I, I, so I'd say it's a combination of both you know if you just watch the Saints film over the years uh, they do a great job of mixing up you know how they attack people in the run game you know whether that's perimeter type plays whether it's downhill direct type runs and Kamara is a guy that can do it all but they have utilized his skill set to be able to get him on the perimeter and that's something that you know they did against us yesterday as well weird goofy stuff I mean there's Drew Brees lined up at receiver you got well, a thing yeah. in the backfield wearing number seven. What is that? Yeah, they've done that. They've done that a lot, and and you know, really, you know, just the variety of personnel's going back to some of the things that Coach Payton's done to to be able to utilize his players in in, in ways that maximize their skill set and, and put pressure on a on a defense. That's something that they've done in a variety of ways. You know, they end up getting the fourth and one where they're trying to throw it back to Drew, and it does a great job being able to create off schedule and, and run it himself. Uh, Dante Fowler plays 62% of defensive snaps in his debut. Uh, not just specific to that game, but getting to know him over the course of the week. What is his future going to be with this defense? Yeah, I think he's going to continue to see his role grow, and, and he did a nice job. I think it's a credit to Billy Johnson and, and Thad Bogardis to be able to get him up to speed as quickly as they did in a short week's time uh, to play a lot of base snaps. You know, you, uh, you obviously anticipated him being a part of our sub-rush package, uh, but he did play a lot of snaps, uh, you know, which is some of our base defensive structures made a big-time play on a, on a gap stutter play that they tried to run where he ended up getting them into a you know a four yard loss right there and, and you could see he was able to you know create some rushes and, and you just feel his speed and his juice coming off the edge and, and he's going to be a player that's going to help us was that the clothesline play yeah. it was yeah i love the clothesline yeah, play. yeah great play yeah i love it yeah you're gonna run that's mcmahon called there yeah. you go. <laughs> is, is he a more capable run defender than he gets credit for because he took on a guard on that play he I'm did yeah you know he's a it's an open side play where they pull a backside guard and try to wrap somebody else uh, we call it a stutter type concept, and you know he did a great job rolling off in that instance where he really beat the guard to the spot and ends up getting into the backfield before that guard can get that kick out block on that edge player uh, based on the front structure we were in. At that position, uh, you activate Obo Okoronkwo to the 53-man roster, maybe in a reserve-type capacity. Kind of give us a high-level overview of what you know about uh, this fifth-round draft pick and and as he joins your roster. Yeah, I think he's done a nice job, you know, controlling what he can control. You know, we've had that 21-day period, but it really has served as, you know, for the couple days that we do really ramp it up, uh, we've kind of created some extra scenarios for him to be able to truly evaluate him. He's done enough things that uh, give us a a good feeling on him that that if he did have to contribute based on some different things playing out, uh, we wanted to get him up to that active roster because otherwise you got to put him on IR and he's basically down for the rest of the year. So it's a credit to the way that he's attacked the rehab process uh, and a credit to the way that he's responded over this 21-day period and, and making it uh, you know, a, 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 a decision that we wanted to be able to get him up, and, and we're excited to have him. All right, we talked a lot of defense in that segment number two. Coming up next, we'll turn our attention to the offensive side of the football, and Cooper Cup's return to the lineup for the Los Angeles Rams scored a touchdown uh, in Week 9, plus a preview of the Seahawks and an audible segment still to come on the Coach McVay Show, live from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. All right, wasn't planning on starting this segment there, but that tees us up perfectly, that turnover and a tie game uh, a minute into the second quarter. Uh, tees you up first and 10 in that high red zone. Why don't we just kind of walk through that sequence that ultimately <laughs> led to the, the failed fake yeah, you know, that one really bothered me from just an offensive play caller standpoint because we, you know, we came out and kind of ran a play where we were in an empty set and snapped the ball and 
uh, they did a good job getting a little bit of a push from our right side, and um, you know we might have had a chance to be able to step up and, and work cup over the over the ball, but they did a good job. And, and you know you go incompletion on first down, and then uh, and then second down you go incompletion versus a three man rush. Um, you know when they created some, you know a little bit of good push. Uh, the you know we had a shallow cross coming from Gerald Everett from right to left, and their dropper kind of got in the way and you know forced us to again go incompletion. And then we try to get a screen off on a third and ten, and we're a block away from maybe be, maybe being able to have Cooks kind of pop that down the left sideline. But it got us into a short enough fourth down where we felt like it was a situation we wanted to be able to activate that fake field goal. And we came into the game knowing that we wanted to be aggressive and attack and and do some of the things that have enabled us to get to eight and zero and and going into that game and and that's something that's a result of you know just the way that we believe in going after people and the confidence that we do have in our players and unfortunately in that instance it didn't work out but um you know that's the process over the results and it's not just saying it's not just cliche we're going to continue to do things that uh, are aggressive but also smart. And we felt like that was a smart risk that we wanted to be able to take in that situation. Uh, to Robertson's credit, he ended up making a nice play, and uh, it didn't work out for us. But but that's not going to change our approach because we felt like the process was right with how we came to those decisions. We have confidence in our players. I think Bones does an excellent job being able to find some of those situations where something like that can be activated. But but really, you know, to even be in a fourth-down situation just bothers me really a lot because I felt like I I put us in some bad spots with three straight uh, throws. Then that ends up leading us even having to attempt the field goal with two incompletions on first and second down. It just makes you sick. And uh, and you know, I got to be better for us there, especially in a 14-14 game when we get a short field to not be able to come away with points in a game like that ends up being one of the plays that affects the outcome. And uh, and that's what bothers me because i got to be better for us in those situations. I wonder what would have happened had you picked that up, had the replay gone your way. Well, and you, you did pick up the first yeah, down. Yeah, you know, it's a great question, and, and you never know because each play presents a new story, if you will. That's what's so great about our game, DeMarco. But uh, I would like to have thought that, uh, you know, we would have scored a touchdown on the very <laughs> next play, and then we kicked a field goal and go up 21-14. But it didn't work out like that, and, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, Fortunately, that's that's something that uh, that we learn from. But I don't, you know, people say, would you change the decision? No, because uh, that didn't work out for us. But our approach going into that game and, and going into most games is going to be uh, an aggressive attacking style that that is also smart. And we felt like that was a situation where we followed our, our kind of philosophy. I loved it. I, I can't stand when people go away from stuff because the result wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it was right there. Yeah, Yeah. and it's always easy to question, you know, in hindsight when it doesn't work out. But, uh, you know, it didn't work out for us. But it's something that that we would do again, no doubt about it. And and I think that's most importantly a result result of the confidence we have in our players. A couple of touchdown scores from yesterday, a cup and cooks. I'm dying to know a play that involved both of them. Did Goff overthrow cup or did he underthrow brandon in the play that resulted in the tip catch downfield yeah that was one of those he was going to I, I you'd have to ask jared but i'm pretty <laughs> sure he was going to the lower of the two uh you know it wasn't supposed to distribute exactly like that we had a you know we had some some similar concepts that we were activating but you know cooper had some traffic over the ball and you know brandon kind of had to flatten it out based on the way that their safeties and the, and the coverage contour had played out but uh, we'll just say that he was dropping that over. He knew that if he ended up hitting it right there, it would get perfectly tipped to Brandon right behind him, and it worked out for us. I want to see that in the playbook. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you won't find it. It's not there. We were saying this earlier in the year. Man, is this offensive line making Jared look good. Lots of protection. Now it's kind of 
wow, Jared does a great job moving around in the pocket. Yeah, I think anytime you talk about something like that, those two go hand in hand. And I think it's a credit to Jared being able to get the ball out and the timing and rhythm of the plays and the line being able to protect for whatever the timing and rhythm of those plays are. And, uh, you know, it's always a collaborative effort. You know, when you're taking care of the quarterback, when you come away with a game uh, at on the road uh, without any sacks in the way that we had to throw it, you know, as a result of some of the situations that played out, I think it's a credit to those guys up front, but also it's a credit to Jared and, and the receivers and tight ends and running backs be able to separate in the timing and rhythm of the play as well. Speaking of the offensive line and Jared Goff, I don't think this was any sort of deal inside your building, but for the benefit of our audience, can I just uh, pause to read a tweet from Roger Saffold this evening? It seems a lot of people were bothered about what happened between me and Jared Goff after the personal foul penalty, and you aren't wrong. I apologize to my quarterback, and this can ha- uh, can happen between brothers in a heated battle, but we won't let the incident define us. This won't happen again. Hashtag we, not me. Yep. Again, I don't think that even caught your attention in the course of the game, but what do you kind of react to the Yeah, I the mean, I, I think uh, I think it's a great res- response from, from a very important player who we love and have a lot of confidence in, and I would imagine that he's referring to when we ended up getting the one personal foul at the end of the first half, and the best part about guys like Roger being able to take that accountability is that everybody can utilize that as something our team learns from moving forward. And and like he said, won't happen again. I, I totally believe that. And I think in a lot of instances, when you have somebody that handles it uh, the way that he did, that takes that accountability, that ownership, you know, then uh, then everybody can use that as a tool. It's not exclusive to Roger, but most importantly for our team. And that's what you love about our guys. And um, you know, I, I I respect and appreciate that. Can we break down the golf interception for just a second? Because I can't believe that it happened still looking yeah. back on it. It looked like he had done enough to manipulate that linebacker to get that width, but... I mean, sometimes you just have to tip your cap to a player like that to make that uh, interception to Anzalone. Yeah, Anzalone made a heck of a play, man. You know, he's a, he's a guy that, that has a lot of athleticism. You know, he's, he's gotten a lot of action for them. They do a good job of kind of rotating a, a good, uh, you know, a handful of linebackers at that inside spot. And, you know, because they were in nickel a lot, you know, he got a lot of good snaps yesterday. But, you know, really they were just in a 3D foreigner knee structure. And, you know, in a lot of instances, especially in that specific coverage, uh, you know, those underneath hook players, they're, you know, in the curl flat players, they're kind of eyes are off the quarterback where they're really all operating on a string and Jared kind of tried to move him to the left which he did and then when he came back there was a little bit of a window but man Anzalone did a great job of kind of staying on that 10 to 12 yard uh, hash area and being able to make a play where he catches a great ball outside the framework fingertip type catch and it is one of those situations where you got to say man that's a heck of a play right there by him. I would bet a hundred bucks he can't do it again, <laughs> and then he proved me wrong. But yeah, he, it was a hell of a play. It was a heck of a play. Great play. Uh, did it catch you off guard when we found out? We found out right before the game, Manti Teo wasn't going to play. They're Mike linebacker. Catch you off guard at all, or do you kind of have an idea? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, as a result of some of the personnel groupings, you know, where we're mostly out of eleven, and it dictates defenses to be in some of their nickel and dime packages as opposed to their base. Uh, he was a guy that hadn't played, you know, he played in their base packages, but because we felt like we were going to dictate them and uh, mostly nickel where they wanted to get another corner up, uh, that wasn't something that shocked us. He's a good player, have a lot of respect for him, but, you know, even Coach Payton said it, it wasn't anything Manti didn't do. It was more of a result of adjusting to some of the things that we do offensively, and they wanted to get an extra DB up just based on the, you know, the way that we operate from a personnel grouping standpoint the majority of the time. All right, we'll take our break here. Coming up next, audibles, your questions from social media directly to the head coach and a preview of the matchup with the Seahawks. That's before we're done tonight in Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. All right, great to be live tonight on ESPN LA 710. Let's get to audibles. Your questions from social media directly to the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. We begin with Christian 
from Twitter. Uh, he notices, Coach, this is your only uh, second road loss in two years with us. Is there anything different or similar from going to Minnesota last year and going to New Orleans this year? You know, I, I think that the similar situation is you're talking about two great football teams that, that play excellent at home that, that we just didn't come away with enough plays to be able to win it. But, um, you know, each game, whether you're home or away, provides a new narrative. Um, you know, if it doesn't work out for us, there's a lot of things that led to that. Uh, I thought our guys did a good job fighting back, but but I think what you do have an appreciation for on both those games is that uh, you went against two really good football teams. You know, Minnesota finished up, I want to say, 13-3 and last year. They were excellent at home. Uh, and then this year, you know, that the Saints are, are, you know, one of the top teams in this league. They've won seven straight, and they play excellent at home. It was a great atmosphere, and, and you know, they made more plays than we did, and, and hats off to them. Uh, you expect nothing less if you dig a big hole to come roaring back. To, you're always in the game. Yeah, we, we always, ex, you know, I, I think the guys just continue to compete, DeMarco. And, you know, the great thing is, is that it's it's a one play at a time mindset. And, and you can't get it all back in one play. And I think our players uh, had the right mindset coming out of the half where we ended up getting a big time field goal by Greg Zerline to be able to cut it to 35-17. We got the ball coming out and got it excuse me, got a touchdown, and then, you know, defense gets a couple stops, and when you're able to score on your first three possessions and, and defense is getting stops, you know, that's how you kind of come back, and, and it's just really one play at a time, and uh, the team playing together, playing, you know, good complimentary football, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't get it done at the end, and, and they did. Uh, next question in this Audible segment from Luis. Uh, I understand being polite to referees, but at what point do the uh, bad or non-calls get old in your mind, and is there an art or a fine line as a coach uh, to working with the officials? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that's something that I'm continuing to learn and navigate, you know, as I, you know, don't have a whole lot of experience in this role, but I do think it's something to be in tune with, uh, making sure that you're communicating with them, but I also don't think you want to make enemies of them, uh, more about just kind of creating that awareness so that if they are able to see something that maybe they missed, uh, you don't make them want to say, you know, I'm not really, uh, at all trying to help this guy, but, uh, I'm a little bit more in tune with it. And if it is something that they feel like it, you know, is representative of, of a penalty, then they're more inclined to see it as a result of the dialogue that exists. So, uh, you know, I don't think we do ourselves any favors, you know, trying to rip the refs, but I do think there's an urgency and in a way that you can communicate with them in a respectful way that, that helps them be maybe more aware of something that otherwise they wouldn't be. And if that leads to us getting calls that we feel like are fair within the framework of the game, then that's what we want to be able to do. Fine line, like with push-offs or holes, right? Absolutely. I mean, you want to go after them, but hey, if that's the way they're going to call it, let me tell my guys. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that you try to just figure out is the consistency at which some of these things are officiated, especially just based on the way that uh, the nature of some of the coverages are, where so much of what you're seeing around the league, you know, no matter who the opponent or who the team is, is uh, you know, there's a lot of match man type coverages, which dictate a lot of contact. And uh, just having an overall understanding and awareness on how things are going to be officiated at least helps you be aware on both sides. And that's a great point. Uh, Mike from Twitter with our next question on audibles here on the Coach McVeigh Show. Uh, he's curious about an Aqib Talib update. Are we correct that he's not eligible to return until after the buy from IR? Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that is correct. Uh, he's making good progress. Uh, when exactly that date is that that we would be able to you know bring him back based on his recovery and then also the availability uh, based on when he's you know at the earliest able to return is something that we're continuing to monitor uh, when that gets a little bit closer. But he's always been a guy in our mind that uh, hopefully. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be able to bring off of that, uh, you know, use one of the designated to return uh, things on him. 
All right, credit to Bob from Twitter for creativity with this question in his wording. Life isn't about dwelling on the what-ifs or what could have beens, uh, but what player offensive series would you do over if you had access to a DeLorean with a flux capacitor? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, probably the, the, the two sequences – you know the one play. Uh, you know when after we ended up getting like like we talked about after we ended up getting the turnover. You know to be able to go incomplete, incomplete on first and second down. And then you throw the screen and, and it leads to the fourth down and short where we attempted the fake field goal. That three play sequence I thought I was really poor in. Uh, and then you know the the other two that really stand out. The one where we ended up you know getting into you know a, a one by three. We motion cup across the formation and release Gurley where we got flush. You know we had they were in kind of a two man structure and they actually dropped Robert Woods down the left sideline uh, we got flushed to our right Jared ended up running for it and then on second down I you know I called the the one flip play that ends up losing six yards uh, and then we end up getting you know Todd on third down and then it ends up leading to a missed field goal that one those two series kill you and then you know then when you, you get the ball when you're down 38 35 and you feel like you got a chance to go drive we had a lot of momentum you know to to not you know give our players better play selection in that three play sequence where we ended up having to punt it back to them and then the next thing you know we were down 10 uh, so not just one but those ones stand out in particular and, and that's like a lot of games, but but those ones especially because you know it ended up leading to you know us not winning the football game and, and a large result of some of the decisions that I made for us. In one of those sequences, uh, Jeff noticed Todd Gurley was not on the field for the uh, set of downs after the fumble recovery. Was that to give him rest or for another reason? Yeah, it was to give him rest. You know, uh, you know, Todd does a, such a great job for us, and want to continue to be mindful of the amount of work that he gets throughout the course of a game and really for the, throughout the course of the year. So we kind of build in some breaks. Skip does an excellent job, and I think Malcolm Brown, when he comes in, we do have a lot of confidence. So it serves two purposes: to be able to get Malcolm the work that he deserves, but then also to get Todd the rest that we wanted to be able to give him and. Malcolm stepped up in a big way, you know, whenever he's gotten his opportunities, uh, demonstrated by a great touchdown catch that he made tiptoeing the sideline, you know, earlier in the game there. Hell of a play. I mean, tap dance on the sidelines, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was in the second half, but... Um, you know, really, it was it was impressive, man. And, and uh, you know, you just can't say enough about the consistency at which Malcolm Brown has, uh, you know, been able to, you know, produce and play at when he's gotten his opportunities. And, and uh, you know, hats off to him. And great job by Jared. Great, yeah, it was. Yeah. That was a really good off-schedule play. Stepped up, uh, kept the ball tight to his body, and, and able to find Malcolm off-schedule was a big-time play. We had a few questions to this effect. I'll lump them all under the umbrella that Mark from Twitter brings. Uh defensive adjustments they've been great at the half but what is it about football in the NFL especially that sometimes those adjustments don't happen until the half is the way to kind of start them earlier I guess is of the question yeah you know I, I think you know I think our defense came out with an added level of urgency in the second half that enabled them to play you know as well as they did um, you know and, and then sometimes it's about just settling into a game you know they did a good good job of mixing up some different things that we had seen and when they go back to it if they've seen it already you know they've got a better chance to be able to defend it but I just thought it was a great job by the players. The overall urgency, um, you know, the sense of urgency that they played with, the communication. I think all those things were, were you know, were executed at a higher level in the second half, and it led to us getting some stops. But um, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done. But you'd like to be able to put that together for four quarters. But uh, in a lot of instances, I think you know, adjusting and adapting is is something that naturally does occur, and their ability to do it sooner than later is something that we try to emphasize all the time. All right, last one on audibles. On a lighter note, Tito from Facebook: Best pregame snack? Do you have any go tos on game day? Best pregame snack? Uh, not really. You know, I, I whatever the 
the the meal is i'll I'll eat and then de- depending upon if I got enough there I'll sometimes have a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that uh, is usually in the uh, the locker room that, to serve as some fuel for the players and if I feel like I need a little extra juice you know Red Bull never hurts <laughs> <laughs> I would have never paid you as a guy who needs any kind of Red yeah. Bull I think you manufacture your own final segment upcoming we turn our attention to Hawks. Back to business, back to the Coliseum, and back with more after this on the Coach McVay Show, Week 10 on ESPN LA 710. All right, final segment of the Coach McVay Show, Week 10 edition. The Los Angeles Rams play the second game of the season against the Seattle Seahawks. What a thriller it was in the Pacific Northwest. Now the comeback game at the Coliseum. Here we go again. This is the only home game in another, like, month-long stretch. Yeah, it's nice to say hi to the Coliseum fans, right? <laughs> there you yeah. go. Uh, it's been good to us so far. Yeah, undefeated at home. I like that. The uh, The Seahawks are in an interesting stretch because they played some really good football. Their game against the Chargers yesterday came down to the wire. Um, and they come to Los Angeles probably feeling like their playoff lives are at stake. Coach, give us a preview of uh, Week 10, if you will. Yeah, you know uh, Coach, Coach Carroll is going to have his guys ready to go. They played great football this year. Um, you know, we had a great battle with them at their place, uh, come, came down to the wire, like you mentioned, good back and forth and expecting a lot of the same, you know, they're, they're, they've always been a, a great team in this division for a long time. That consistency is, has been extremely impressive. Anytime you got Russell Wilson at the helm, uh, you're always in a game and, and he's a great elite competitor. They're doing a really good job on defense with a lot of really good playmakers and, uh, it's going to be a great challenge. And, and like we said, you know, as we're diving into the early stages of the preparation, I uh, can't wait to get going and, and try to get a plan together that uh, hopefully puts our players in spots to shine on Sunday. In November, I mean, records don't dictate hunger. I bet you're just as hungry as they are. Yeah, I would think so. And, and I think, uh, you know, being back at home, uh, that urgency that's naturally created, you know, you want to be the same every single week to Marco, whatever the result was previously. But there's something about just the, the urgency that's created as a result of, of not getting the outcome that you want. Um, that that uh, kind of burns in you, and, and you hopefully want to do a great job this week. And, you know, it, like we said, we just can't wait to compete again. We saw it firsthand a couple of weeks ago. Up front, their offensive line, their running game has to be one of the most improved in the National Football League. They're suddenly very, very productive in that regard. Yeah, I think they've done a great job. You know, it's a real credit to their coaching staff. Uh, I think Coach Schottenheimer's done a nice job of being able to, you know, to stay balanced but then also call a game that – accentuates his players' skill sets, and, and that's being patient with the run, uh, being committed to it as part of their identity. And, and you could see it's it's something that they've done a great job and had a lot of positive results as, you know, um, as a result of him being patient with it and, and the players are executing at a high level. I can't wait. I love it when uh, they say a team's got a good defense. Let me see how you do away from home without the benefit of crowd noise. Yeah, no, it's a big deal. Um, you know, not having to operate, you know, hopefully without, uh, you know, with some of the things that we've had to deal with, you know, from the, from the Saints game uh, is something that we like. But I thought our players did a really nice job being able to handle a tough atmosphere. Didn't make enough plays, uh, you know, as a team. But I thought overall their ability to handle that crowd noise was, was big time yesterday. I don't know if on your list of goals going undefeated was even to be found, but now that that's kind of off the table, does this game almost kind of fit nicely where it refocuses you on on the task at hand, winning the West first and going from there? Yeah, I think, you know, being able to play a great division opponent, uh, you know, coming off a game like that, I think it's something that is is great for our football team. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great challenge for us. You never go into a season, you know, at least I haven't, 
thinking about going undefeated, what you try to do is, is just do the best you can that given week and, and try to go 1-0 and every single week. Fortunately for us, you know, our first loss through the first nine weeks came yesterday. But, uh, you know, I, I, I trust and, and, and have full confidence that we'll respond the right way. And, and that starts with a great week of preparation. How's that feeling in the pit of the stomach right it's, now? It's still there, it's man. It's still there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for you, too? Uh, of course. There's only one way to get it out, right? No question. Yeah, Go right. back to work, work harder. Oh, well, Sean, thank you for your time here on this Monday evening. Have a great week of preparation. We'll see you at the Coliseum. DeMarco, I will see you Thursday for Rams All Access, yes, sir. our next show. Thank you for being with us tonight in Thousand Oaks at Cal Lutheran. The Rams uh, no longer in control of the one seed in the NFC, but still atop in terms of wins. They are 8-1 and one as they play host to Seattle this weekend. Thank you for being with us on ESPN LA 710.